Hello everyone and welcome to the Dig podcast. This is the final podcast for before the summer breaks. So we know everybody likes to enjoy their summer. I know I do. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back in action in September. But today's podcast is such a brilliant one to finish on because it's going to plant the seed for all business owners to get their affairs in order. And I have to admit in my in my um, experience of hiring staff, a lot of this I didn't do. Today on the podcast, we have the amazing Joanna Scullion. And Joanna is the founder of HR Made Easy. And you know what? What is HR? Like a lot of us don't even have a clue. But Joanna has over 20 years of experience mentoring and assisting businesses and employers with managing their staff. And she is an expert. When I say expert, I mean it in every sense of the word in her field. Today in the podcast, I know your mind's going to be blown and you're going to be thinking, I I need to get off this podcast quick and start putting things in action. But you really, really do. Um, We cover all about contracts, like how many of us as business owners just let that slip, that written contract, which is so, so important between you and your staff member. We talk about that, what needs to be included, all of the good stuff that we forget about so often. Also, we talk about a handbook. My goodness, your handbook is how you want your business to be run. And yes, you might know in your head, but how's your staff supposed to know if it's not written down and it's not in a handbook? This is something that I neglected to do for so long in my business. And I really, really honestly, hand on heart, regret that. I think we could have made bigger strides if that handbook had been in place and I wasn't always chasing my tail. Um, so we talk about that. And then we also talk about the key policies that are needed within a business. Like these are actually, some of them are actually law that you have to have and how many of us don't have. So like absence and um, sick leave and maternity and um, oh, what was the other one we talked about? Probation policy. Like that one is brilliant for protecting you as an employer to help your business grow in the right way. So all of these we talk about in the podcast. Honestly, you're going to flip and love it. I learned so much as well. Um, and also we talk about challenging conversations, the things we don't want to do, the things that make us feel sick about approaching conversations with our staff, conversations that must be had but don't happen because we feel actual full-on anxiety about doing it. Um, Joanna gives us amazing tips on how to make those challenging conversations less challenging but still address the issues at hand. So yeah, and she gives us free resources, which you're going to have to listen to the end of the podcast to find out about. But yeah, you're going to be able to tackle these actual issues head on after listening to the podcast. So yeah, I, I, you're going to love it. It's such an amazing one to end off on. And yeah, let's just, let's just dive straight in. The Dig Podcast is a podcast that focuses on business life and all things social media. It's a place of learning and one where you can take away actionable tips that you can put into practice straight away in your business. I hope it inspires you to reach your goals and never give up on that dream. So today on the podcast, we have the gorgeous Joanna Sullivan, and I never have been, like I have never been talking to Joanna face to face, so that's why I'm saying she looks so gorgeous today. It's normally over Instagram or DMs or emails or whatever, but it's lovely to finally meet you face to face virtually, Joanna. Yes, and you. Um, so I, Joanna and I actually met a few years ago um, and let her tell you now how, how that happened. But um, I'm so excited for you all to listen today because these are the things that are often go on missed in business, but can actually cause really, you know, like bad situations to occur if things aren't done right. So um, I was so keen to get Joanna on. Like I listen to what she says on Instagram all the time and I'm like, oh my God, I, I really wasn't doing that right in my business whenever I had my shop at all and it scares me the things that could have happened so um, I know you're all going to get so much value so hello Joanna and thank you so much for coming oh thank you Caroline I'm so excited like whenever you got in touch I was like oh can't believe it um because the reason when we met just so people know I first came across you a couple of years ago in the Glenavon you did your dig for success talk yeah and at the time I hadn't done Instagram and I'd never done it and I thought I'm not interested because I've completely fallen out of fa- love with Facebook and I went to that session even though it was for retail I went to it and I came out and I went that's it I found the woman who's told me what I need to do I just need to suck it up and I need to turn up and I need to show my face on Instagram 
And I actually still have that very first video that I did that day on my grid talking about you telling me you need to give it a go. So if it wasn't, oh, let's I, go watch on Instagram. I know it's, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing, but it's, yeah, we're all in business. None of us would be choose to be here, but it's what we're doing. So that's when yeah. I first came across you and I've followed you then ever since. Well, you know, I followed you ever since and, you know, I like, obviously it's not like the sexy stuff on Instagram, like HR or, you know, accountancy or anything like that. But my God, there's so much value to be gained from watching someone like you. Like I, my mind is blown listening to things, even though I'm not a, an employer anymore. As, as a, I just, I'd be so amazed at the things that people aren't doing. It actually scares me. So I, because this podcast is an educational one and one which I want people to walk away and say, right, flip, I need to start doing that. Then I said, I need Joanna. So I want to talk today about all things HR. So can we just launch in and you tell us like people probably, there's a lot of people won't even really know what HR means. So what is it and why is it important? Okay. So whenever you think about HR, think about your business and your staff. If you're an employer and you have people who come into your business and they work for you and you pay them a wage, then you are an employer. So you have obligations on the back of that. And HR covers everything. So what people normally know, their employment contract or handbook, but then it covers everything when things don't go so well, like disciplinaries, like management performance. What do you do if somebody gets caught stealing? God forbid. How do you, I'm working right the way through then to, Whenever somebody has a life event, like maybe going off on maternity leave or somebody suffers a bereavement or then whenever the relationship ends and they move on, so either they resign and they move on somewhere else or sometimes when things don't, don't end in a good way, maybe you've had to dismiss them or maybe you've had to make a redundancy. So HR is like a relationship from when you meet them at the very, very start in recruitment right the way through until they leave their, ex- their organization. So we're like an umbrella. And I always say to people, HR is one of those things where either crisis because something's happened and an employer has had to pick the phone up to me because somebody's been caught stealing or something's gone really, really badly wrong, or we're at the bottom of the list and they're going, I really should do something about that, but they never get round to it because other things take over. Because most, and you'll know this, Caroline, whenever you opened your shop, you didn't open your shop to be a HR manager. You opened your shop because you had a vision for being an entrepreneur and having a retail premises. But once you have staff, then you have to put your HR hat on. Um, and that's what we're here to help with. And we help businesses then. You don't need to know it all. But what you do need to know are what I call the red flags. To have enough awareness around yourself that when something happens, you go, I need to find out more about this. And I need to make sure I give the right answer. And so that's what I will talk about. Is Like, this is... This is- as significant for someone who employs one person as somebody who employs 100 people? Absolutely. And there is this, and we're going to get on to that, but there's this belief that, well, I'm only a wee small business, and sure, it's only a Saturday job, or I'm not a big business, I'm not a big brand. Um, It doesn't matter. It absolutely does. Once you bring someone into your your place of work, and they work for you, not a contractor, but an employee who's a regular pattern, then you have these duties. Whether you have one staff working three hours on a Saturday, whether you have 150 staff working full-time. There's going to be a lot of people listening saying, oh my God, I need to turn this up because I (laughs) I thought that this isn't relevant for me, but it absolutely is. And, you know, over, I had the shop for 12 years and even though I never, well, at at the end, whenever, just before I closed, I actually had five members of staff. But when I started, it was just me and another girl. And I guess as my business evolved, I needed to consider HR more, but I'm just being honest. I it always I was always that person you just described. Like I know I need to do that. And thank God everything worked out okay for me. And you know, there wasn't really any tricky situ- we we had it we had situations, but never anything that we couldn't resolve. But like definitely nowadays I think it's very important that they protect themselves by getting to know people like you and what you do. So so where do you start? What 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 happens? How do we get started, Joanna? Okay. Whenever we were talking about this, we were looking at the basics. The first thing is, if you have staff, you need to know where you are as a business owner. So you need to know the basics. And somebody reached out to me in a group last week and said, I think I'm going to take on a freelance contractor, casual employee. Thanks, going. Freelancer is a self-employed person. A contractor is a self-employed contractor. A casual worker is not the same as an employee. So they didn't even know themselves what they were taking on. And I said, the first thing you need to do is figure out How much work do you have for this person? Is it ongoing? Is it long-term? Can you commit to it? So they needed to understand themselves what they were looking for. So if you're out there and you have staff, let's think, 
let's say you are in retail and you've got your staff and you've somebody who comes in, let's say you're in a bakery and you have somebody comes in every morning and they bake for you and they've been doing that for the last year and a half and they come in for three hours every week and you're thinking, that's all they do. It's only three hours. They only come in twice a week. That's not an employee. That's a casual worker. If they've got a pattern of work and they've come in every week and they're doing the same hours and they're doing the same tasks for you and you're paying them in the same method all of the time, you've actually created an employment contract, even though you don't know it. Because there's this myth, and that's one of the first things you want to dispel. You actually have an employment contract, even if you have nothing written down. Because when that person walks in your door and they turn up on a regular basis and they're paid the same amount and they work regular hours or even casual hours, but you can identify a trend, that person's your employee. So people don't realize they actually have a contract in place. And the contract dates right, if you've nothing written down as a proper contract, it will date right back to that ad in the window. Cook wanted four hours a week, £10 an hour. Or it could come down to, you know, a little ad in the Facebook page, currently recruiting um, Saturday off, Saturday work, part-time, ongoing. And that's there. And once somebody's with you for 12 months, they're a permanent employee. So there's this idea, they only work part-time, but you can be permanent and work part-time hours and you can be permanent and work full-time hours. Just because you work part-time doesn't mean you're a part-time employee. You can still be a permanent employee because the relationship's going on. So owners really need to sit down and think, what do I have in place at the minute? Because that will determine what their workers, um, what relationships they have with their staff. So if I was sitting there, I'd go, okay, what do I have? An example would be, let's say you have a website or even social media. And you know how everyone does meet our team? Yeah. That little grid post on, meet our team, meet Sarah. She's our front of house girl. Um, meet uh, Jane, she's our cook, she's our chef. Meet um, Jimmy, he's our driver. And they do a little story. Then you've just given those people job titles. And maybe you've called somebody your store manager. That's the fit. You know, if you have nothing else to show, you've put that out there in your market and maybe you have it on your website. Maybe people have name tags. You have to think about what you've actually put in place. So everything that you're doing is actually creating a contract of employment. So if you're sitting out there now and go, but I'm only a small, I've only got five staff. If you've got staff, you have a duty to give them a contract from day one. People don't know that. Contract from day one. And then it's called the principal statement. And then within eight weeks, you need to get the written statement. But that's your duty. So you need to think, right, what actually have I created already? And I actually met somebody recently and they said, do you know what? I thought somebody who's changed their email signature and started to call themselves a manager. <laughs> I said, well, have you told them they're a manager? No. How long has it been going on? Three months. Have you ever asked them? No, I'm too scared. I was like, so they've just created themselves a manager's job and a job title that you've never corrected. And is that is that something that if the employer didn't jump in there that they could actually be held accountable for? Well, I'm a manager and I'm not getting the manager's pay. Well, it's not even the manager, but they could say that's their title. So let's say you, and this is a small business, let's say you have somebody and they go, um, let's say they're a social social media. So they're doing social media and they were just doing social media and then all of a sudden they've called themselves a social media manager. But maybe they're they're quite young in their career and they don't really have a lot of of skills, not young in age, but just young in experience and terms of experience they have. And you're now growing to grow and you're going to launch an e-commerce site and you want to bring someone in who's a social media manager to lead that for you. Yes, yes. Then all of a sudden this person's going to go, but I'm a manager and you're bringing someone in on top of me. That's my job. Oh. You get that job and they're getting five grand more than me. Oh. And that's why it's your business and it's your responsibility to say, here are the job titles, here are the roles. And I'm not a big believer in titles. I know some people are, like I, titles mean nothing to me. But in work, you do need to be aware of that if you own a business. Have I given my staff titles for the sake of it? Or is actually a job that goes with that? Okay. So that's okay. Why it's up to the owner to nip it in the bud. So that owner definitely did go back and say, excuse me, in a very polite way, listen, we're a very linear organization. There's no managers. So I've noticed you've changed your job title. Would you just bring it back, please, to what it was beforehand? Just nipped it in the bud. Don't let it continue on any longer. Sometimes, you know, like we're all we're talking about this now and it's all great, but when you're in that close contact with an employee, you become friends. And you know, this happened to me a lot. And then I would have felt intimidated about even 
of having a conversation like that I remember like sometimes actually nearly feeling sick because I would have had to say here this here isn't right or whatever so that isn't sometimes easy to do but it's absolutely necessary isn't it to keep yourself right absolutely and that's something that I was going to say at the end but I'll jump into that now yeah without a doubt the best HR is informal HR and what that means is that you've created a culture where everyone knows your roles everyone knows where they stand and you have created a culture where you nip things in the bud so, for example, if that, you know, um, so let's say you're in the shop environment, not you, but let's say you're in a retail environment and you come in someday and you started to realize, you know what, my door's open at nine. And I started to realize when I'm coming in after somebody else opens up that the lights aren't on or the music's not on or they're standing in their jackets at the, at the till having a wee chit chat at 11. Have you, worked, have you worked in retail? You're just hearing about all of these situations. 20 years Caroline the stories are in the back of my head you're sitting there going right hold on a second I'm not so happy about this so if you let that continue you then as an owner have to take responsibility that you've let Sandra slip yes the employees are doing it but if you're not going to step in and correct them they're like children we're mummies children will push their boundaries I'm sure Tess is at the age now where she's trying to push her boundaries and get out of things she's not supposed to do Workers will do the same. It's psychology. The, the human behavior will let you try and push that boundary. So if you don't challenge it, they'll continue to do it. So you can't turn around them one day and be all firm out of nowhere. You have to take responsibility. So when something like that, what I would say to the staff is to the owner, okay, you're, you've recognized this now, so you need to take control. And just see whenever you said there, you get scared because you're friends. What can happen is sometimes, like if you were to imagine you had to have a difficult conversation, your adrenaline runs up. So the psychology is the fight or flight comes in and your adrenaline comes in and you're going, I need to go in and maybe you've had a pep talk at home from your husband and you're going, I'm going to go in, I'm going to set the straights and you go in and then you go in like a bull in a china shop because you're so nervous and you just want to get in, get it done and run out the door again. And then all of a sudden that relationship gets broken. But that's not your fault. That's because you're out of your comfort zone. So you look at yourself and say, who am I and what am I like? I'm I'm a nice person. I want to get on with everyone. So I'll just treat it like that. So what I do, and it's a very good trick if you're a staff manager, it's called the compliment sandwich. So if you have to deliver a negative piece of information, you sandwich the, the negative, the constructive feedback between two positive pieces of news. Okay. So let's say that shop worker sitting there. You could go in and go, right, I need to talk about this tomorrow. The first thing you're going to do is you're not going to do it off the, if it's not your normal way of dealing with things, you're going to plan. You're going to take a little moment, sit down with a notebook. What do I need to talk to them about? The lights weren't on. The music wasn't on. The merchandise wasn't done. And they were standing chatting in their coats. They're the four things I want to talk to them about. Like, when am I going to do this? When do I feel comfortable doing it? I think I'm going to do it in the morning when I come in, whenever nobody else is around, because I'd be more comfortable to get it done out of the way. Have my little plan. So then whenever you go in, your first thing you do is say, okay, what can I say positive to the girls that's going to help the story land better? So I go in and say, you know what? See last week, Sarah, I love the fact you did Instagram for me. See that story you did about the occasion where it went really, really well. We got so many hits on it and I could see the turnaround on the website. I'd love if you could help me plan something else for, for next month. Could you do something with that for menswear? Really appreciate that. Great. Okay. Positive sandwich bit okay girls there's something I need to say I came into the store a couple of times last week and I thought it happened once and I just let it slip by and it's my fault because I didn't mention it at the time but over the last couple of weeks when I've had to come in later in the morning what I've noticed is that the lights aren't on they're still the stock lights they're not the customer lighting the music hasn't been turned on it's still your radio it's not onto the shop floor music and there's been twice I've come in and you've all been standing around in your coats having a coffee I could have been a customer and that's not the um, atmosphere I want to create for my staff so completely my fault for not telling you about it the first time when it happened but you know what I don't want it to happen again you all know how I want to run the shop you all take pride in your work and I don't want you feeling bad about something like this so this is something we can change immediately so I'd really appreciate it from tomorrow morning you come in lights on music on coats off then have a chat but be ready and presentable the way dig children's wear should be and now okay Okay, everybody happy with that? You're fair enough? Brilliant. Now, see the shop window, girls. What are we going to do about it today? You've all got great ideas. How can I turn this window down to get people on the street to come into our doors? I'd really appreciate your feedback because you said so well the last time. You see the difference? Unreal. Positive. It's a sandwich. It's positive. 
the negative but it has to be constructive you can't just go in to say somebody you're doing something wrong stop it you need to explain to them why it's not wrong and as an owner what you need to do is make an objective to say here's our standard and that's not that you you don't give them a personal insult you don't say you're rude you say your behavior comes across as rushed to the customer Uh so you say objective things you don't say they're rude you say about their actions rather than their behaviors and then you say here's how i would like to do it remember how i trained you remember how i do it and show a bit of compassion say maybe you were busy that day and you didn't mean it i know you didn't mean it but it comes across like this i know that's so important like like i'm listening to you there like these people are your team they're your everything They keep and people were only human, and sometimes you do sit and chat when you shouldn't. Like the way you just said that is such a lovely way to deal with a tricky situation. And I guess you know uh, we all could learn so much from that. And I, I in the past, like you said, you'd be so nervous about having the conversation that you actually end up probably coming across like really aggressive, maybe sometimes. And that, that can happen. That yeah. and definitely. So if you do like that, and then it's not to say you're always nice, but there will be an occasion when. I have the three strikes rule, the football card rule. Two yellow cards, so it's, you could hold off once, yellow card, told off second time, yellow card. Anybody who works with me knows by the time they get told off the same thing three times, that's a red card, and I am forced then to go to a formal procedure. So I never want to be invoking the formal procedures. I always want to be doing the informal HR. But if the employee pushes that boundaries and they get their third strike, then I'm left with no choice to move into a formal procedure. But that's whenever the employee will respect you then because they'll say, she has told me about this before. Yeah. He has given me a chance and it's my fault now. Now, not everyone's going to have that attitude. There'll always be somebody who'll be annoyed with you. Mm-hmm. But if you can have that in your head and you then get the confidence to say, no, I have been fair here. I've given them three chances. They were aware that they were making a mistake. And on the third time, it's now up to me to put my big hat on. I'm the owner. I'm the boss. And I now need to suck it up and I need to do a formal warning here and move into that stage. Right, so we've done all that and then we've done the written agreement. Is there anything particular that, that should be in that written agreement? Oh. You're right. Yeah, so for an employee contract, so if you're the employer out there and you have nothing in place, and believe me, nine times out of ten, people will pick up the phone to me. I have to say it's, it's almost like a confessional. If you don't tell me the truth, I can't help. So I have nothing in place. Or I stole my last contract from the last job I was in and just changed the name or a borrowed my brother's because he has a garage down the road or something like that. That's fine, but they're not, probably not going to be right for you. So your contract, and there are key terms that you need to have in place. You must have the legal name of the employer and their registered address. And see if you're an employer. Um, I was doing this training recently with somebody, and they own a garage. So they have the garage petrol station, they have the spa that goes with it, and then they have a coffee shop on the same lot. So the people in the coffee shop, they're sister businesses. So there's a sole trader that owns this coffee shop and then there's a company that owns the garage. But they were using the same name on all contracts. But even though they were actually different employers because they were being paid out of different bank accounts. So you have to know who's the legal entity, who is the employer and where's their registered address. And then where does the employee work? So the registered address could be in the accountant's office or could be in the solicitor's office. But where's the employee's place of work? You would need their job title. You need their remuneration, which is their how much they're paid, whether it's weekly, hourly, monthly, annually, and then when it's paid. So is that cat weekly, fortnightly, or monthly? And then is it cash or bank transfer or check? That all needs to be put in place. You would then have their location of work, and if they're a traveler in terms of if they move to different sites, or if they're a sales rep and they're on the road, that would need to be covered. Um, you would also have their notice arrangements. So how do they give notice if they want to resign? How do you give notice as the employer if you want to end their contract? Holiday entitlement, how much holidays they're entitled to. Um, any relation, any details around sickness and sick pay. What are the pension arrangements? Um, those would be the main key things. And I have a list, and, and I, I, we're going to talk about it later, but I have a list of resources that I can send off to people. Do you need all of that in your contract of employment? And then um, other things that you might want to consider as well are any training requirements that you want in place. So let's say, for example, you had a driver and that driver was driving a HGV class two. If you don't have that as a contractual clause and that driver loses their license, you might think, well, if they lost their license, it's okay for me to dismiss them. But unless you've made that a condition of their employment in a contract, you'd have no right to dismiss them if they lost their license and couldn't wow. longer do a job. Mm-hmm. 
So if you wanted somebody like me in HR, you'd want them to be qualified and a member of the institute, I would want that into the contract. Okay. If you're in dental, dental practice or medical practice, they need to keep up the registration, you would want that in. So you have to think about your business and what you need. Wow, okay. Um, right, so there's a lot there, but there is going to be some free training that you're offering at the end. So if anybody's head is spinning, don't worry. We'll have show notes with all of this good stuff in it. So what about the handbook, the dreaded handbook that we all know we should have and we don't? What is the story? The handbook is, if you're in HR as a profession, we would say your contract is contractual. So you and your employee are equal partners in that contract. So if the employee breaks anything in the contract, they're in breach of contract. If you break something in the contract, you're in breach of contract and you could end up in the tribunal, which is where nobody ever wants to end up. In touch with, I've never been there. Um, your handbook is what we would always say to make non-contractual. And that means that you then own it and it's your operational procedures and the things that you can put in place that can grow and evolve with your business. So the things that you would want to put in place in your handbook, the way I kind of like to paint a picture Imagine somebody on their first day, they've come in, how do I park a car? What are the rules around uniforms? Where's the staff kitchen? Um, what are the facilities uh, around book and holidays? Those kind of things that just make an organization tick. But you can also then put in your standards. So you can have things in there about mobile phones. So maybe, Caroline, you own retail. I know a lot of my retail clients don't want mobile phones on the shop floor. They must be in a cupboard or you know secure staff counter. I have other people who they've shared offices and they don't want mobile phones sitting on the desk. If they're in view of the public, the phones must be in the drawer. I have other clients who are quite happy for mobile phones to be around the place, but when people are on them, they need to go into a meeting room and out of the shared offices. So that's all the kind of stuff that you can capture and put into your handbook. So you need to have the things in your handbook. What do you do about mileage? If somebody's driving for mileage, how do they get that claim back? What are the expenses rules for a business? What are the rules around booking time off for the dentist? Where does all of that go? It's all of those kind of things you can put into your handbook that covers everything. The staff know where they stand and you then know that you've put it out there rather than somebody coming to you and going, what are our rules? You're then on the back foot and then you're answering that person. You're almost obliged if you're a nice person, which most clients are, I think I'll just give them what they want without you thinking, what does the business need? So you write your handbook designed with what the business needs and how do I want to design my culture and my business? And am I creating a, an office environment where I don't want people sitting on Snapchat or on Instagram? They can do it in their lunch break, but I don't want to sit on the phone, on the desk when a customer comes in. Do I want to have a branded uniform that I want people to wear? Have I got set rules? Obviously, you've got your things around health and safety and food hygiene. They'd all be separate, but you can still create your picture. You can still have a clear desk policy. These are things that you can put into your handbook for your business. Yeah, um, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a business plan, like how you want your business to run. And it would help you so much in your mind as well, wouldn't it, to have all of that? Right? Yeah, because I have a client come in to me last week and they're growing. They're, they're a young client and they're growing and they're now putting in what we call like operating rules. So um, I don't want to, they're in an industry where they're, they've got set procedures. So they work on project basis. They want to put in things that, Staff need to make sure their timesheets are up to date and that when they hand over a project, the project manager signs it off. And if they don't do that, there could be repercussions for them. We can we can add that into the handbook for them because it's a rule for the business. So for you, for example, in the retail or even in a, a hospitality venue, you might have your opening procedures and your end of day procedures. Now, your opening procedures could be getting the shutter up, getting the lights on. Could be if you're in hospitality, you know, turning on the coffee machine, getting the bambri on to cook making sure the fresh flowers are right, taking out the milks. You know, that's literally start of day procedures. And likewise, end of day procedures could be clearing down, could be clearing out the cold room free storage, things that have to happen in your business to make it run. Because if you're anyone who's worked in hospitality, you never left the premises until it was set up for the morning. You never left a bar when you were a student until it was stocked out for the next shift. That's the kind of stuff you can include. As add-ons, if you're saying, where can I put that? I could pop that in here because these are the rules for our business. I wish I had done all this. Like I do, you know, I'm listening and I'm like, like I actually, because I didn't have it written down, I know the power and the written word, it's huge, yeah. but I sometimes I felt like I my mind was racing about what 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 if I told them where that it should be done and maybe assume they know when how would they know if I didn't have it written I don't even really know what the rules and regulations are yeah. so I'd hold my hands up and say that I was kind of flying like solo and not really knowing what was going on I wish 
that I'd done that better. And I'd say there's a lot of people going to be. And when you say a written handbook, these are just like, these can just be documents that are all like a Word document on each issue that is then printed out and put into a file or whatever. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And one thing I say for you, like, as you're saying, I don't know where to start. I would say to a client, you know, walk well in the morning and say, right, what do I do from the second I walk in the door to the time I walk out? Yeah. And you just make a wee note in your phone, even do a voice note and record it and get and type it up later on that night. It can be as simple as how you answer your phone. Mm-hmm. Good morning, HR made easy. Do you want to speak in? How can I help you? I, know. I, I was trained I, as a student. I was in a hotel and we were 8 a.m. to 12. Was it good morning? Then it was good afternoon. Then it was good evening. And then after a night, it was good. You know, it was good evening right the way through. But you had to say good night and evening, not good day. So we, and if our manager came in and we did not do the protocols, we were known straight away. So that's your business. You create the, not everyone wants that formality around it, but your business, ha- even in a shop, you can answer a phone a certain way. I know. You can do the, where do we keep our notes for a messenger? And you might never want to say, well, the manager's not here. You might just say, he's not available at the minute. Can yeah. I take a message? Oh, I used to say that all the time. Don't be saying I'm not here because <laughs> I, that makes it sound like, I, like I'm never in my business. When I could have been away, like at a meeting about the website design, or, but it made it always, you're right, it made it sound like, oh, she's never there. But she's, what did you say to say? He's not available at the moment. Oh, love that one. Okay, so, yeah, so there's so much, I guess, like uh, people would say, oh, HR isn't relevant for me. But whether you've an employee or not, I think that's very, uh, like a very valid task to do for even mm-hmm. just business to have it all listed out like that, isn't it? And it is. And it means as well, if you've got a rule book, you can then leave and you can take a day off. Yes. And your staff will know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things when I do my rule book and my handbook in the very first page, I have emergency contacts, so I have who, who owns our, who's our security company? Who, who runs our shutter? So if somebody's locking up and the shutter's stuck and you're in back in the days and you could go on holiday, let's say you're a week away and you got to go to Italy, you don't want them ringing you in Italy, but if they have the number for this, the shutter company, they can ring their out of ours. Joanna, this happened to me, so I'm just going to tell you a story. So I was going to my sister-in-law's hen party and I never took a day off in the shop, rarely, and um, we were going away and I was so excited and the girls were prepped and ready. It was a really busy Saturday. It took a lot for me to take it off, but the girls knew what they were doing and they were so good at their job and all. And I was down at my sister's. We were going for pre-drinks at her house before and really bad reception there, but the phone was ringing and it was dig. And, and I was like, oh, and I felt like that sick feeling in your stomach because mm-hmm. I was like, they have no need to ring me. Like I, everything was okay. There must be something really badly wrong. So there was, well, like in a, so, so they rang me and they were like, Caroline, the till drawer won't open because the online uh, POS system is stalling and it's saying we need to contact the like Shopify support. What is the number for that? So I had no, I had no internet service to Google the Shopify support number. I, I didn't know how to actually, I was so panicked. I couldn't even tell them how to figure it all out. I swear to God, I had to get into the car, drive to my mum's. I hadn't drank at that stage. Thank God. Drive, drive to my mum's to get internet, to find out that just Shopify support. For them to then ring Shopify support and not know the PIN number that goes in to get security access. And I remember thinking, this is, this is, all my thoughts like this should be written out on a page if they hadn't known the Shopify support the pin which is all straightforward they would never have to ring me and that wouldn't have happened it was my fault and I did make a document after that that went in the file but my god it happens all the time and it's our as business owners it's our fault and as you have so much information in your head and that's why I say take a day out and walk through your business like if I'm not what do I actually do and then what is in my head that's nobody else's head and certain things have to stay in your head. But it could be a case of you could say, you know what, I'm going to take this information and give it to my accountant. So he has it if I'm ever out of the account. And the staff know if anything ever happens with the bank or something, phone the accountant, they will know. Just so that there's another person that has that information for you. But your handbook can be as big or as small as you want. But it is, I say, the handbook sets your standards and it sets your rules. And it's you putting your stamp on your business. Mm-hmm. Now, some people are very, want to have a very soft and flexible and floaty and you can put that into your handbook you can say listen we flexible hours we encourage them work from home we encourage hybrid working we're very eco-friendly you can have that in your handbook or you could be more traditional and say no this is how I want it wrong I want a very nine to five shirt and tie type premises that's how I want to run my business so you put your stamp on it I love this oh my god I'm going to do this even though I don't have an employee because someday I might have an employee and that work would be done and then I could say this is my business in a book really so yeah that's so good do you know what, what about, sorry 
that's creating a job description for the next person that comes yeah. in. It really is. I have always wanted the Dig Podcast to be a place of learning and a place of inspiration, but I've also wanted it to be a place where businesses can gain exposure. That's why I'm so excited to open up the Dig Podcast to businesses and allow them to pitch their business to you. I am delighted to introduce you to our new social enterprise, Waymaker Child Therapy. Hello, my name is Eileen Russell founder of the business and professional play therapist. We have a huge dream to help rewrite the mental health of children through the healing power of play by providing access to play and creative arts therapy for every child. The truth is that 70% of children with a mental illness are not getting the support that they need. We are based in Ballymena and have several therapists throughout Northern Ireland and we aim to continue growing this network. If your child is struggling, please reach out and get professional support today. We are excited to launch a clothing range with purpose called Little Waymaker. We want to help you contribute by joining our movement, creating freedom for children and future generations. 100% profits made from our garments will go directly towards children accessing play and creative arts therapy because we believe every child has the right to access appropriate level services. All of our items are ethically sourced and locally stitched. To find out more, please visit www.waymakerchildtherapy.co.uk or find us on Instagram or Facebook, Waymaker Child Therapy. Thank you. What about the key HR policies that all business owners should have like can we kind of break it down so people know what we're at here what's the key policies they should have like in the handbooks or you know so what you have you've got your contract which is your legal document then your handbooks non-contractual which is your rules oh, right yes there's up to 19 policies i would currently use but for a startup for somebody coming out from scratch and somebody what i call a micro employer so less than less than 10 staff these are the, there's eight that I would say you must have. Number one is your absence and leave policy. So that is bereavement leave. What happens? Because in law, there's no legal entitlement to pay time off when you lose a family member if you're unpaid. Okay. There's only, the only closest thing you have is dependence leave, which is two days unpaid. So as a business owner, you want to, I would encourage people to say before it comes to my door, because it's a circle of life. At some stage, you may have to encounter this. What do I think is fair for my staff? What do I want to give them in terms of, terms of bereavement? So you do that. You would also have things like dental and medical appointments. What are my what is my policy around that? Ideally, they should be taken outside of the work. Um, and this is all onto the absence and leave. Ideally, they should be taken outside of your working day. But if you do have to take them in a working day, I want it at the start of the shift or the end of the shift. So it's less interruption for the business. Oh, Joanna, like I never knew, like I... Oh, I know when you bring it back to me, but because there's so much experience employing staff, like I, when people would approach me with that, I'd be like, um, I, that's all right. Uh, I, and I was never confident in what I felt confident in that situation because I'd never written out the process. And as a business owner, it happens every week. Like I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this, especially when you have more staff. So this is so important. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Oh, no, you're good. And that's what it's there for. And then once you've done that for dental, you then have to decide, am I letting them have paid time off? Mm-hmm. Or is it unpaid? Or am I letting them work off the pay? Mm-hmm. So the easy one is you're late for, you know, take it first thing in the morning. So it's the less interruption for me as a business and I can plan around it. Um, and you're in at 10 o'clock. So you're an hour late. You stay an hour late that day. Done and dusted in the same day. That person's worked up that hour. If it's that they've had to maybe take a hospital appointment and it's half a day, then maybe the four hours to work up. And you might want to say, I want you to work that up by the end of the week. Or so that's time off. Are you giving them time off and though You need to decide what you're doing in your business. But see, when people are taking time out of the day, you need. I think you need to get it earned back as quick as possible, or else it runs on mm-hmm. and it runs on. So you need to decide for that. So that's your absence and leave, your sickness absence. You know what? Do I have sick pay? Do I just do statutory sick pay? You need to have that, and that's your sickness and leave policy. The second one then is your absence notification and certification. So notification, when somebody's sick, how do they let you know? Do they phone you? Do they WhatsApp you? Do they ring you? Does their partner ring you? Does their child, do they just not turn up? How, how soon do you need to know in advance? I have a lot of hospitality clients and I have a lot of clients who would have diaries, like clinic diaries. So if somebody's off 
and they're not there to perform their duties, then that's a diary that needs filled. So what we have is if somebody's going off, I would need to know 24 hours beforehand or at the very latest the night before. So I can either cancel, this so will not me, but the client can either cancel that diary or rearrange or if it's hospitality, get someone to come in and cover that shift. So what's the rules for your business? Whereas if you're in an office environment, you might be happy to know, you know, an hour before start time. But then you need to say, am I happy that they're ringing me on my mobile? Or do they only have the shop number? So you have to think about that. How am I going to find out? Because if you have somebody, let's talk about the, the not so good employee who's always going to be sick, who takes Mondays off after a long weekend, who's always running a wee bit late, that's the person who's going to push the rules a bit. And if you don't have rules here, how can you challenge them on their behavior and their conduct? Mm-hmm. So if you can say you were supposed to ring at six o'clock the night before and you were supposed to ring me the next day with a self-cert or to tell me how long you're going to be off. If you have those rules in place and they fail to do that, then we can move forward in terms of disciplinary for them in terms of starting to do a formal process to try and turn around their performance. But if you don't even have that captured, then how can you challenge them? So that's your notification bit. And then the certification bit is having yourself cert for the first um, 78 days and then you move into a, SS, a doctor's line for SSP procedures or if you have company sick pay, how you want to do that. So those are very, very important because absence is a big issue for employers. So whether you're small or whether you're large, it's a huge issue. The next policy then you have to have is your disciplinary. What, so we have our rules in our handbook, but then you have your disciplinary what are the things that I see in my business as a minor misconduct, lower level, so they get a verbal warning, major misconduct, that middle category where they get a first written warning, and then gross misconduct are your sackable offences. So they would be dismissed if they make that offence. So there are certain things that we would know are obviously gross misconduct, etc. But you as a business can put your stamp on that. So for example, retail or hospitality, um, all of my clients with retail or hospitality, I will have it clearly ruled that any um, theft is theft. So whether somebody's given somebody a pair of socks for 99p or whether somebody's given somebody a free drink for a tenner or for £5, that's theft. And if they haven't got permission from the owner to do that, that's theft. It's a very black and white line. You know, it's, it's either that because where do you draw the line? Is it £100 of stock is sold or is it £5 that they lifted something off the counter and not paid for it? Very, very clear line. The other thing um, could be about giving out freebies and hospitality to friends or family. That would be a sackable defence. Um, you can look at your business as well. For example, I would have a lot of accountants um, and professional bodies. So for their professional bodies, we would say gambling is a clear no. You know, gambling on, on company computers or company software or to be seen to do that, particularly if you're in a financial um, environment, that's not necessarily the image you want to portray. So you can set standards for your business. You can have health and safety, you know, you have different tiers for health and safety, ignoring them, failure or complete negligence will be different categories. So that's your disciplinary rules. And you also want to think is who takes those decisions? And do I have somebody else who I could have as a, a second person to be an appeal if I take a decision? So that's your disciplinary policy. Then the next one is your view equal opportunities policy. We all know that about fair employment and that's a minimum. You need to have that in. Then you would have your grievance policy. And this is where somebody has a complaint about another colleague or they have a complaint about you and how you run the business. How do they raise that internal complaint and how do you deal with it? Um, And then the next one, all small business owners hate this word, holidays. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You feel sick, don't you? Because you're like, I never get a holiday. (laughs) That's the way you feel whenever you're in business. But anyway, go on ahead. The holiday pause. So you have to have your holiday entitlement in your contract. You're contractually what you're entitled to. So in Northern Ireland, for a full-time employer, they're entitled as a, the statutory limit is 28 days holidays in a year. As an employer, you decide whether that includes your public or slash bank holidays or whether those are on top of that. You make that choice, the contract. If you don't have a contract, it's assume that they're included, but you need to make that choice. Your holiday policy then is non-contractual. And that's where I say, how do we book a holiday? Is there a form? Um, what are our rules around it? Is it first come gets the holiday or is it a case of we have a road out for holidays? Do we have a case of, and definitely I would have it in, you cannot book a holiday until your holiday from the employer has been approved. So you need to sign it off. How is that approval given? Is it a sign in the form? Is it put in the holiday book? Um, I, again, if I go back to uh, hospitality, I would have a blanket ban on holidays from the 1st of December to the 12th of January because that's busy season. My accountants, we do not let anyone take holidays in January because that's tax season. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. A lot of my dentist staff don't take holidays in midterm because that's when all the mummies bring their children in. If you're in construction, you might work with the construction holidays, but are you a northern construction company or a southern? Because they do the August, not northern do July. Is that when we're going to close down? Do we have a stock take month when I need everybody in and that's when holidays are banned? Have I a quiet time in the year when I want to encourage staff to take holidays? Oh my so God. All things that you put into your policy. So then holidays work for you. I never had a holiday policy. And what I ended up doing, I, all my staff, thank God, were so good. I, and if any of them was ever listening to the podcast, they helped me in the 12 years and they're friends and I love them. But I find that I always felt like when they needed holiday, right, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, you can have it. Okay, I'll work. I'll cover that there then. Even though I was supposed to be doing something then, I would have let that go because I lead, I wanted them to get their holiday. But really, they shouldn't have been getting it at that time because I actually wasn't available at that time. But I always made it work because I never had it written down. And it wasn't their fault. They never knew that how I was feeling inside about that. How would they? So, yeah. you know, this is all so good. Oh, my God, yeah. So you need a holiday policy. Holiday policy. And the other big one about holidays is Christmas because some people, if you keep open over Christmas, you have Christmas Day, and you have New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So, you, you know, what I try and do if I have a small team of people and I say, listen, if we absolutely have to stay open over that time and somebody needs to work that shift, let's do a rota. So you can't get them all off. You get Christmas or you get New Year's, but you don't get both. And this year, if you get Christmas, then next year you'll get New Year's and we rotate it so that it's fair. Because there's this underwritten rule sometimes that people without children want to work Christmas Day and people with children don't. That's not necessarily fair. Yeah. And especially if you let somebody book their holiday in January, they always get the good days off. So you need to yeah. make a decision around that. So that's your holidays. Definitely a holiday policy. And then the last one that I... Or you need your health and safety policy statement. Now, I'm not health and safety, but you do need your policy statement in there for a business. As a business owner, you have public indemnity and everything that goes with that. You need to have that in. And then the one that I put in, which is my absolute favorite policy that I use all the time, is probation. I know. I've heard you talk about this before, right? Tell us, because this is so, like, whenever I am mentoring people and I'm like, you need somebody to help you, you know, and they're like, oh, but I can't deal with taking somebody on and they're not right and they don't perform. And I'm like, well, you need to listen to Joanna about probation. So tell us. Yeah, so probation... Probation is the most important policy. If you don't know where probation is, probation is when you bring an employee in. And again, you must put it in your contract, their yeah. own probation. You can't, if you don't put it in the contract, they're a permanent employee. Okay. You must have it in the contract that they're probation and you must say how long it is. I would always advocate six months for probation. Some people do three. I think three months then it's like a date. Three months then you're still in your best behavior, putting, you're doing your hair, you're looking nice. By the time six months comes, <laughs> you're a <good> person. <laughs> but that's true. Everybody can act in three months. By the time six months are in, you know, you know. they always say they were going to do it, but they're actually not doing it. And they're starting, you see the real person. So six months, and it's also from the employee's perspective, because remember, I'm coming from both sides of it. It gives an employee a real good time to get in and get to grips. And they'll have lost that new girl or new boy attitude, and they'll hopefully be in and have confidence. So probation is a period of employment when they start. And during that probation period, you're assessing their performance for the role. Can they do the job you hired them to do? And if they can't, at the end of probation, you have three choices. Number one, they've passed probation. They've done everything you've asked and they can do the job. You confirm them as passing probation and then they're a permanent employee. Number two, they're not up to standard. And you then need to think, is it because they need a little bit more training? Is it because maybe they're an accounts prep and in the last company they worked in was Sage and we've actually worked with Zero, so it's new software to them. So they just need a little bit more time and have confidence they're going to come up to speed. So then I would extend their probation either one month, two months or a maximum of three months for them to have that additional training. And I would set very, very clear objectives. This is what you need to do. This is when you need to do it by. Here's how we're going to help you in terms of training. But they're under no um, doubt that if they fail to do that, they will have failed probation. So you give them the extension with the hope that they'll improve. Um, and sometimes it's because the employer hasn't trained them right. I have to challenge clients sometimes say, listen, this guy's failing. But when I look at their training, you haven't done the training with them. You haven't given them the chance to go out with that client. So you need to take a step back here. The employer has responsibility too. And then the third option is when they're not working out. Then you have to dismiss. But you have to dismiss fairly. And there's set, you need to write to them, tell them why you're thinking of dismissing them, show all the evidence in advance. So if you have no rules and you have no, here's what your standards were, how can you say that employee's not meeting those standards? Mm -hmm. So you need to give them that in advance. 
Then you have the meeting where you have a chance, you put your evidence to them and the employee's chance to give their side of the story and they have a right to be accompanied in that meeting. And then if you decide to go ahead with the dismissal, the employee has the right to appeal that, that as well. So that's what we call in Northern Ireland, the right to meet an appeal. So any dismissal, those three things have to happen. So just because you say you're a probation employee, it's not working, I don't like it, off you go, there's your final paycheck. That's an automatic wrongful dismissal. Even though they're under a year's service, you've, you're, you're in breach of your own contract there and you're in breach of the standard disciplinary dismissal procedures here in Northern Ireland. So you need to do it right. But the difference is when you've got an employee in probation, I sit down the first month's induction, the end of month one, have a chat, how's it going? In month three, it's in my diary with my clients, sit down with that manager, how's that employee getting on? Have we done all the training? Are they up to standard? And if it's somebody you've had before in a role, you'll know the benchmark. You'll know, yeah, they, by three months in, they should know my system. By three months in, they should know the back end of Shopify. By three months in, they should be, their tills should be reconciled or whatever it is. But if you're starting to have doubts, that's when you sit down within three months and say, okay, here's where we are. Here's a few things that I need you to improve on. Maybe it's timekeeping, maybe it's uniform, whatever it is, but be very clear. These are specific things where you're not up to standard. Ask the employee, is there a reason? Ask them, have their training? Do they want more training? And it doesn't mean that you have to pay for another person to train them. It could be that you step up as the owner and go, you know what, come with me for the day. I'm going to show you how I do it. Maybe a different approach might help. So you're giving them a clear guidance as to what they need to do. And then before the six months come up, then you sit down with them in that month six. And the key thing to know, if they're on six month probation and that date comes and goes and you don't say anything to them, they're all, they've automatically assumed to have passed probation in the eyes of the law. Oh my God, right. In fact, you do nothing. And it comes in, you can't go to them in month seven and say, actually, it's a bit late. I was too busy last month. You need to go to them early. So for my clients, I start in month six. So literally those four weeks, I put the date in the diary. Let's do the review. Where are they? Three choices, passing, extension, or are they failing? Okay. And if after a month, you realize uh -uh, this isn't working out. Is it okay to do that? If it's if your probation policy is written that you're able to intervene that early, then yes, absolutely. Okay. And sometimes, sometimes you can find out very quickly it's been the wrong fit. Yeah. Um, a lot of my small businesses that I mentor, they're like, ah, I can't wait six months to let this person go because there are no. So as long as it's in the contract, then that's as okay. long as it's written, as long as your policy is written correctly, you can okay. intervene early if you feel that they're not up. To, but you need to have evidence. Yes. You can't just turn around, I don't like this person. Yeah. Because you can't be discriminatory. Yeah. You have to be very, very careful of all of the reasons of, of discrimination. So you yeah. must have objection, and that's where you, you must have clear evidence. You must say, here's what they're failing to do. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, my goodness. Probation is the most important. And the thing is, see the staff when they pass probation. It gives you a chance to sit down with them for an hour and tell them they're doing well. Yeah, and they love you that. Give them a letter to say, here's your permanent status. Yes. It's that employee engagement and they feel and sometimes people might give a you know a training rate and then they might slightly increase their rate at that stage, or maybe they'll get on to other benefits that I wouldn't give them during probation that when they get permanent status, maybe health benefit or um, whatever it is for that particular client. But it's a real good engagement builder for you and your employee. But as the owner, you need to you need to take control. I can see why people just employ you to do this, Joanna, because it's like a small business owner, as you say, we didn't sign up to be HR, but so we might be complicating it a little by firing all of this at them at, in one podcast, but these can be taken in steps. And I guess it's right. to protect them and you don't have to employ someone like Joanna. These can be done yourself if you don't Absolutely. have to do that. And um, what about that we, we talked about at the start, have you anything else to add about challenging conversations? We did cover that at the start, but it is something that crops up a lot in small businesses, especially. I think the most important thing is if you're going to have a challenging conversation, you need to sit down and you need to take your time to plan it. So you need to take your book, you need to take yourself out of the work environment. Don't do it in anger. Like if something's happened, don't, I'm all about nipping things in the bud, but definitely not in anger. So you need to take time to plan, say, right, okay, I need to have a conversation. What is it? You need to get clear in your head. What is the situation? Write it all out and then go through it and say, well, is that personal or is that something I can relate to work? Yeah. It's like I say, don't tell somebody they're rude. Tell them that they dealt with a customer in a rushed way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. impact, but it's just looking at it so that you can, how, how can I get this message across so it's a little bit softer? Then plan when you're actually going to sit down and talk to them. Yeah. Don't bring them in whenever there's loads of people around. Like, it depends. You know your workforce. Have you got gossipers? <laughs> have you got nosy people? Um, I would have done, for some people, uh, they only ever saw me whenever I was in doing the challenging conversations. 
So in that particular organization, we always organized it so that I would bring them in outside of shift mm-hmm. when I was in with managers. So they could have been in lifting their wages. They could have been in lifting something. Nobody needed to know that they were in chatting with me. Yeah. You just kept protected their privacy a little bit. You might not have that. You might want to take them out for a coffee. You want to do something where you feel that you're in control, but you definitely don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable or awkward if it's already going to be an awkward situation. If you know the person you're going to talk to is going to get emotional, have tissues. Oh, I know, I know. Or if you're going I'm to prepared. Sometimes I would have started to cry before they did. Oh you my know, God. If you think I'm going to have to tell them and I know they're going to start, have tissues, have, be prepared oh. and be in control. So whenever you've done your plan, going, this is what I need to tell them. And sometimes you don't need to ha- take a step back. And what I would say is if you have a, somebody in your life, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend or a trusted co- you can say, listen, this is what I need to say to somebody. How do, are these points fair? Would you, if you heard them, do they sound fair? Most people will say yes, but sometimes they might pick up an order and go, that's a bit mean, that, you know, just change that word. You know, sometimes if you're commenting about how somebody's uniform is, you just have to think about it. So if you have your plan in place, you know when you're going to have the conversation, you've arranged it in such a place that it's either private, well, ideally it has to be private, but are you going to do that at the start of the shift? Are you going to do that at the end of the shift? Are you going to take them out for coffee? Um, how Are you going to have a manager? You can say, listen, I need to speak to Lisa today. I need you to make sure you keep everyone out of the office, okay? And also, if you're asking somebody to come off shift, speak to that manager to say so they know, because maybe if Lisa is going to get upset, or maybe it's James, maybe James is going to get upset, that he has time to go outside and compose himself before he goes back in to face his colleagues. So you have to plan all of that. Otherwise, it gets rushed and it gets hurried and you're panicking because your phone's going and somebody's knocking on the storeroom door and you can't get out. So you need to plan all of that. And then just sit them down and say, listen, have a chat. I need to chat to you about something. And sometimes they'll know what's coming. Say, have you any idea what I think what I'm going to bring up? And sometimes people might go, I know my tank is really bad. Or I know I did this bad thing. Sometimes they might open up and that makes it easier for you. Sometimes they won't. They might not even see it coming. And that's when you go and you use your sandwich. Yeah. It's something nice about them. Say, even if you've nothing nice to say about the work, say, I really enjoy working with you. You're lovely. Staff yeah. really enjoy working with you. Customers really like it. And then move on to the bit in the middle. Yeah. And it's not made up. It's genuine. Okay, no. no, it's not. But you're just, what you have to think Falling about. on the good stuff. If people hear something positive, their ears are open and they're more receptive then to the next bit. Yeah. And you don't want somebody walking out in a negative. That's why I always try and leave them on a positive. And, and sometimes, and because of what I'm doing, it can be a really difficult message that I'm delivering. And I will end the conversation by saying, listen, I have faith in you. Yeah. You've got the power here to change your behaviours. Mm-hmm. We've got, we wouldn't have hired you if we didn't think you could. Mm-hmm. And we've got the tra- we're here to support you if it's a training issue or whatever it is. But I've got belief that you can do it. You just need to believe in yourself. And you need to come in here tomorrow and show me that you've got the belief and that you want to be here. I know that's so lovely like that I know like people think and you know what my advice too and who am I to give advice in HR after everything that I said in this podcast but have the conversation because this happened to me a lot where there were things that weren't right but I shied away from it and you know what it ended up where it was just a, a given thing then that that was done because I never I was always afraid to address it and it just you know not massive things but they graded on me a lot and I never and it was my fault because I I was too intimidated or felt like I couldn't say it to them but I think if you have it but have it in those ways that Joanna said it really helped and like before I had my shop I worked in I did a placement in uh, Belfast City Hospital and there was a manager there and I made my decision then that I would never be the type of person that spoke to someone in that way. Like she taught me because she was the opposite of everything I wanted to be. And I thought I'll never make someone cry. I'll never. And then that molded me into maybe being a mouse sometimes when I should have been more vocal. But I guess we have to be assertive and strong in our beliefs of our own business. And that would make us stand up for what's right. But you never have to be rude is really what you're saying. It's treat people with kindness. And what I say to somebody, and I have owners, and I can understand, especially in the last 18 months, people have had to take second mortgages. You know, business owners have a lot of pressure on themselves. And they're like, but I'm paying this person a wage, and I know how much have I given them. And they're in their own bubble. And I'm saying, well, yeah. hold on a second. Imagine that was your son. I know. I spoke to him the way you're about to speak to him. And you can see the body, the body language changes. So always use it with kindness. It's people at the end of the day. And they'll be more receptive to you. And people will come with you. But if you're going to be like this, bang and bang and bang, and you're never going to work together. And just one other thing on that, 
I have, um, I don't have any of them, actually I do have one beside me. Um, get a wee diary. Yeah. Get a little desk diary. And this is the best thing you can do for your staff because you need evidence. So you have a little desk diary that has a day for every day, just all it is, and you, that's your staff book. And as the manager, let's say today, Caroline was late, okay? Caroline arrived in, you can just li literally flick to today's date, go, today, Caroline was late 20 minutes, so she couldn't find her car keys. And then in a month's time, Caroline's late again. And you flick and you put in that date, Caroline was late, so this is her yellow, her second yellow card. Caroline was late, child care issues, it's fine. And then in October, you're having the same conversation with Caroline, you're gonna hold on a second. And because that's only for staff, you can quickly flick through, and you're able to say, because Caroline might be sitting there going, well, I'm not late. And you could go, well, actually, Caroline, I've spoken to you here, yeah. and I've spoken to you here, and I'm speaking to you again, and you've lost your keys again. So it's a pattern. <laughs> oh, that, no. My, you're, uh, I lost my keys all the time. I I know. <laughs> but no, I know what you mean, because sometimes things happen, and if you don't write it down, you're like, did she? was she late that day? I can't remember. What happened that day? So People will challenge you, and if you have your notes, and, a note, and that's all it needs. So whether you, you can use your phone, you can use the desk. The reason I like the diary is because the dates are already there. It could not be any easier. You literally flick to a day, and whenever you're flicking them to say, right, I know this employee's caused me issues, you flick through loads and loads of empty pages, and you'll quickly find what you need. Where if you're storing it in your phone calendar, it can get lost. And I'm always worried about data protection as well. Which if you have something like that, and it can also be a case of somebody comes to me and drops a little note about saying this, and I'm having a difficult time at home at the minute. And then you're aware of it. So you've got those little things. It's private and it's confidential to you. But it's putting you in the position that when you're facing that awkward employee who denies they've ever done anything wrong, and you're going, well, actually, I have spoken to you. And they're going, when? When? Uh. Um, <laughs> um, but if you have a doubt, you've yeah. got the notes and you've got the evidence in it. It gives you that confidence to have that conversation then. Oh, Joanna. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what to say. Like there's so much that as business, as a business owner, I didn't do, but look, I'm still here, survived to tell the tale, but that's because I didn't come across anything that challenged me greatly. But I would say in today's world, you know, people know that their what their rights are and they know what way they should be treated and I think that this is something that needs to be addressed by small business owners and I'm so glad like you, what the advice you've just given us today is gold like people pay big money for this so I appreciate you sharing all that knowledge with us but there will be people listening whose heads are spinning and I'm so grateful for what you're about to tell us that you're going to do so tell us yes so um if you follow me I don't have any number of the followers that you have but I um and July, started this month, I opened up my membership, the HR yeah. meeting membership for small business owners. Because one thing over the last couple of years, I've wanted to do for years, but not everyone can afford to come and work with someone on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. So what I've done is created a membership then that is affordable for people to pay on a monthly basis at a much lower price because you're working in a group. But as part of that launch, I had a three-part training. And that three-part chat was a video challenge that went out over three parts in June. And it was three 15-minute training videos, all about contracts, all of our handbooks and then had a workbook to go with each of them so that's completely closed at the minute but if you're i've given you the link caroline and you can yeah. put it into the show notes so people can click on that link put in their email and they'll get access to everything that's in that free challenge so that's the three-part video series and all three of the workbooks that go with it um it goes into far more detail in the contracts and the handbooks and then you can take that and then it's all actionable for them to implement into their business so more than happy to open up that little training for them if they want to come in that's amazing. And then if anybody looks at that and be like, do you know what? Still don't want to tackle that. How can they get in touch with you? And where do you hang out? And what's all your handles and all of that? Where do I hang out? So I hang, my website is joannascullion.com. So it's a silent H. So it's J-O-H-A-N-N-A. -A. Um, and then my tag is HR Made Easy. So Instagram is at HR Made Easy. I have a Facebook page, but I don't give it much love. I literally just share from Instagram. It's the same at HR Made Easy. And if they want to find out a bit more about the membership, it's joannascullion.com forward slash join. And then if they want to work with me on a one-to-one -one basis, then they just reach out. Um, and hopefully when the world builds up again, then I'll be doing a lot more training. And I am going to do some webinars, but going on the feedback I've gone from research, I think we're looking at September time for those webinars. I think nobody wants any training in July and August. But if somebody wants me to come in, I would do a lot of training in-house with businesses and train their managers. So maybe you're starting to build your team. I can come in and I can do something like this bespoke for you on the day, on the ground in your business. And I can definitely go on and help them with that as well. Amazing. Amazing. I think we were meant to meet each other back then. Weren't we? Like I, I, so. I 
like Joanna, whenever I rang Joanna to ask her when we were talking about planning the content for the podcast, it's like, oh, remember, but like, it seems like a blur to me. Like, did those really happen, those big events when we were all there? And it was such an amazing time. Hopefully we get back to that again and we can share the stage and, and, and you can do your stuff and I'll do my stuff and we'll live life the way we used to. I know, I know, but no, definitely finding you is the reason I'm on Instagram and I never really gelled with Facebook. I had it and I said to you last week, if I wasn't, if I didn't have a business owner and probably other business owners would agree with me, maybe some, I would be a lurker on Instagram following home accounts and shoes and motivational quotes. That's all I would do. But because I have a business, you kind of have to put yourself out there and I talk for a living. That's what I do. I just now have to get used to doing it on a screen. <laughs> you're so good at it. And people can relate to you because you're realistic. And that's why I wanted you in the podcast today. You know that business owners are busy and sometimes they can't get to do this. But don't be like a, a confessional box like I knew I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. I think you should never give judgment. And I think if your advisor is judging you, then they're a wrong advisor. I don't judge people. I give them the information. It's up to them what they do with it. And I have a very clear line in who I want to work with. And there's some people that I'll pass on working with because I know on an integrity point of view, we're not a good fit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I feel I'm a good person and a nice person. And yes, I do a difficult job, but I only go formal if I have to. If I can do all the foundations and the rules are in place and people know where they stand and there's open communication and I have honest conversations with people, then that means I'm less likely to need a formal procedure. But when I'm pushed into a formal procedure, it's there and it's ready and people are more receptive to it because they know I've given them the chance and that's why business owners don't feel guilty if you're not doing this stuff you're probably doing amazing but for you you owe it to yourself to put those foundations in place one because it's a legal duty and you're leaving yourself open to claims if you don't and two you'll sleep better at night knowing you've done it you don't have to do everything you just need to put those foundations in place get your contract get your handbook and get your policies and then you know right out that in place and the rest of it will come the rest yeah. of it will come with experience definitely and honesty honesty is the best policy it is Always. it definitely is well thank you so much um joanna i can't wait to see you again in real life and yeah take care and i hope now you're going to be inundated with requests on instagram we'll be seeing <laughs> you flat out with all your advice but thank you so much and hope to see you soon thank you very much caroline thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to the dig podcast If you missed anything, we've made some show notes with links and all the good stuff we've covered today. Also, don't forget to screenshot this episode and tag Dig for Success so we can reshare on our stories. So remember to hit the subscribe button and I will see you all on the next episode.